Good morning, church. How are we? Oh, that was very schoolish, wasn't it? Good morning, SCC. Lovely. Uh, right, now we're going to sing uh, All Things Bright and Beautiful. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, assembly mode on. Well, I hope you had a wonderful week. I hope the weather hasn't been too weird for you. We've had heat wave, we've had rain, we've had mist, we've had, we haven't had snow yet, but you know, it's only Sunday, anything can happen. The reading is taken from um, 1 Proverbs Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of sight, for receiving instructions in prudent behaviour, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and direction to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Amen. Son of David, King of Jerusalem. Meaningless! Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labours at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun sets, and it hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than I can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Now, We are going to be doing a three-week look at wisdom. Remember we did the healing services 
we had three weeks where we looked specifically at the gift of healing. Well, we're going to be doing the same thing today, next week and the week after, on the gift of wisdom. We're going to look at today, what is wisdom in the Old Testament? Where can we find wisdom in the Old Testament? Then next week, we're going to be looking at the New Testament and where wisdom was preached, who got it, who received it, who had it, who didn't have it. And then the week after that, much like when we had the healing service, we're going to learn about wisdom for us. What do we do with it? Where can we get it? How can we keep it? How can we use it? And we're going to be praying for God to bless us with gifts of wisdom. So, wisdom. How can I explain what wisdom is? Is it the same as knowledge? That's the first question. Is knowledge the same as wisdom? And I'll give you a handy little demonstration by using... Where's it gone? There it is. The humble safety pin. Here we have a safety pin. Now, I'm going to use knowledge. I'm going to look at that and I'm going to say, okay, I can see the shape of that. I've got the shape of that down. It's a kind of a, a roundy rectangle kind of a shape. It's small, it's quite light, it's shiny, metal. That's quite good, isn't it? That's my knowledge. I'm just going to, oh, it's, it's, it's springy. Ah, look, something's happened there. I, think, I don't think I've broken it. By the looks of it, there looks to be some sort of springy thing here, which has meant that this now springs out. That's sharp. That's sharp. Ah! That's sharp. Ah. Ah, that's, see, that pointy bit there, that's sharp. Ah! Every time I touch that, that's really sharp. Ah! It's getting to the point where that's hurting. Ah! That's sharp. That's the, that knowledge, that is. Ah! That's sharp. You see, knowledge is not the same as wisdom. Wisdom would be touching that once, and going, ah, that's sharp, I'm not going to touch that again. And that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. You see, you can have an electronic device such as this with the internet capability, so you can browse the interweb to your heart's content. You can have the knowledge of all ages. You want to know a question, type it into Google, and it will give you the answer, possibly. You can look up history, mathematics. You can look up all manner of things on the internet. You can go to a library, and there you will see hundreds and thousands of books. Not if you go to Lansing Library. They have three. One of them is a cookbook. Um, but in the old days, when libraries were libraries, and you couldn't talk in them, nursery rhyme mornings, <laughs> Um, you went there to acquire knowledge. You used the internet to acquire knowledge, 
and things if you've got Amazon. But the internet can't tell you wisdom. The internet is not wise. It doesn't know how to use the information. It just has the information. So wisdom is the ability to have the knowledge and to use that knowledge to, as we saw with the safety pin, stop us from hurting ourselves or stop us from hurting other people. Now, in the Old Testament, we have books that are called wisdom texts. There are certain books whose specific purpose is to give us wisdom. Not knowledge, wisdom. Now, in the Old Testament, there are genres. Can you say genre? Now, now you have to twiddle your little pretend moustache and go, genre, genre. Every book is in a genre. You have apocalyptic books, you have wisdom books, you have history books. You have wisdom books. And it's really important to know which books are what. Now, if you look over there, June, a long time ago, made this really handy little book here. Bookcase. All different colours. And the different colours denote kind of different meanings of the books. So wisdom texts in the Bible, you're looking at, you've got the Psalms, their wisdom, and poetry as well. Uh, you've got Proverbs, that's a wisdom text. You've got Job, that's a wisdom text, that's a very big wisdom text. Uh, you've also got Song of Songs, that's a wisdom text, and poetry as well. And you've got Ecclesiastes. Now, in the Old Testament, there was this chap called King Solomon. Now, King Solomon was the son of David, and he was a wise chap. He was also incredibly rich, incredibly powerful, had, I don't know, thousands of wives. I can't remember the actual number, but he had a lot of wives. He had a lot of concubines as well. He was a man very hard-pressed for time. Um, and in his wisdom, he decided that that was a good thing to do. Um, but he wrote this book called Ecclesiastes. And it was basically, it's a very funny book. If you get the chance, have a read through. It is quite funny, if you look at it a certain way. In it, Solomon has amassed the knowledge of the world. There was no man wiser than Solomon. He had the money, the power, and the motivation to gather all the answers of things. He poured over books. He spoke to people. He amassed the kind of knowledge of his time. And he went through it. And in this letter, this Ecclesiastes, he is showing us that the gathering of knowledge, the gathering of all things together, is pointless. Remember the, the first line, meaningless, meaningless, it's all meaningless. Why do we work? What's the point of that? Why do we laugh? Why do we cry? Why do we do this? Why do we do that? 
I've watched these people stand in the fields and they sweat and they strain and then they go home and then they argue and then they just get up and do it all over again. It's all pointless. What's the point? He was a man of experience. He had so much experience of so many different things, he decided to write it down because he found there was no joy in it. It was just things happening. And then there was this book called Proverbs. Now, in Proverbs, if you get a chance to read that, that's quite a long one, but it's not written like a story all the way through. They're little sayings. So you could just take one verse out of that and it will say something to you. But at the beginning, it's describing to us what the purpose of wisdom is for. It's good for learning. It's good for wisdom. Let's just turn to it now. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of King David. It's good for gaining wisdom, instruction, understanding words of insight, receiving instructions, imprudent behaviour, so in, in good, sensible behaviour, for doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables. And this is a really good bit of scripture in the Old Testament because it says, do you know what? When you hear a parable, think on it. You need to be wise to understand parables. Why is the Old Testament telling us to get wise on parables? What's the answer? What's the answer always? Jesus. What did Jesus teach in? Parables. So if these people have grown up in a culture where they speak, learn, and gain wisdom in parables, hopefully by the time Jesus comes along in a couple of thousand years, they would have learned those wisdom lessons and they'd recognise these parables as being truly prophetic and wise. They didn't, obviously, because they're just like us. They go, oh yeah, it's really good. And then they forget it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, being afraid of the Lord. Doesn't sound very great, does it? We should be frightened of the Lord. Uh, does it mean that? Yes and no. Should we be frightened of the Lord? We should but we shouldn't. We should be frightened of the one who can smite us. We should be frightened of the one who has control over where we go when we die. But we should not be frightened of him because he loves us so very much that his judgment on us will be fair and perfect and wise. You see, Respecting the Lord and understanding who God is is a necessary part of being wise. Leaning on his understanding is wise. Using this book as a kind of instruction manual on how to live your life 
is wise. It's hard work. It's not always what you want to do, but it is wise. Now, many of you have amassed a great deal of knowledge in your life, and that knowledge will be handy. It will come in handy for you, your family, for church, and for relationships that you have in and around those. But if you don't use it wisely, you could do some damage, couldn't you? You could upset people. You could turn people away. Let's look at Job, shall we? Job is a character, a man in the book of Job, which is a coincidence, isn't it? And he was apparently a really good chap. And at the beginning of Job, we see the devil, or the Satan, the accuser, and God, having a conversation, and it's a bit weird. And the Satan says to God, you know that Job fella? Well, he only loves you because everything's going right with him. That's the only reason he likes you, because he thinks that you're doing good things for him. And God said, okay, let's put that to the test, shall we? You've got my authority. You can, you can go and take the stuff away, but just leave, leave him alone. But go and take his stuff away. So Satan goes and kills his family, <laughs> and takes all of his stuff, all of his things. And he goes back to God. He says, God, I've done it. And there's Job wailing. Giving thanks to God, praising God. Ah, says Satan, he's still got his health. So God says, okay, fine, you go and take the health. So Satan goes off and has this conversation with Job and makes him ill. Gets these horrible sores all over his body. Job falls to his knees, arms outstretched, and was just, oh, Lord, please. I love you, I worship you, I praise you. And his wife says to him, why are you still praising God? Why are you still loving that God? And then later on, he has three friends, Steve, Brian, and Barry. Who knows their names, by the way? Eliphaz, uh, Barry. Barry, yeah, he has three friends. And they come along and they give him some counsel. They give him the benefit of their knowledge, their wisdom. And they basically say to him, well, you know what? This has happened to you, Job, me old mucker, because you've been bad. Somewhere in your life, you've done something wrong. 
somewhere you have sinned and God's punishing you for it. And Job's standing there going, no, I I don't think I did. Did I? No, I didn't. And they start coming up with all this stuff, saying, well, there must be something. He must have done something to anger God. He doesn't just punish people for no reason. And all of this wisdom that Job listened to caused him to question God's wisdom. So what he did was he confronted God. And he said, Oi! You know damn well I haven't done anything wrong. Who are you to take all my stuff away? Who are you? What gives you the right? And God says to him, well, you know quite a lot, Job, don't you? You're a very knowledgeable man. But you have no idea who I am. I am God. I am the Lord, the Most High. Job, in your knowledge, do you know where I keep the spare snow? Do you know where I keep the thunder and the lightning? Do you know where that doe gives birth to her young? Do you know where the eagles go? Do you know where I keep the clouds? Do you know anything that I really know? Do you know who I am? And he calls Job out on his knowledge. And he calls him out in such a way that Job finally realises that all of this knowledge that he has, all of this wisdom that's been imparted from other people, is bupkis. It's rubbish. It doesn't mean anything. Because ultimately, Job didn't know who God was. And knowing who God was, knowing who God is, as the Proverbs say, is the first part of wisdom. You have to know who your God is. You have to know what he is. And if we can understand what our God does, who he is, where he is, that is the first and fundamental key for understanding true wisdom. Lean not on your own understanding, lean on his. Because he can see around corners. He can see in time, one way and the other. He's out of time. He can see all things, all at the same time. He has perfect wisdom and perfect knowledge. So Job comes to this realisation. He's confronted with the God of all things and wisdom and he just falls to his knees and says, oh my goodness, I am incredibly sorry. I had no idea you were as vast and as powerful and as wonderful as you are. Thank you, Father, for sharing who you are. 
He was terrified. He had that fear of the Lord, but he had this amazing respect for the Lord because he knew that the Lord holds everything in his hands, everything in his mind. He realised that he was nothing in comparison to the Lord. And he was so grateful for that because there's no way Job could have taken and used that much understanding. It would have broken anyone apart from God. Now, Job, for his confession of, well, his asking for forgiveness and him coming to the place of wisdom and understanding about who God is, was then rewarded with all of his stuff back, doubled, I think it was, in the end. Uh, he had another family, he had all his land returned, his wealth, his respect, his honour, everything was just heaped back on him. Not because he lived a righteous life, not because he lived an unrighteous life, but because he had the fear and the knowledge of who God was. He had attained wisdom. The fundamental step of wisdom is knowing who God is and fearing him, respecting him. Solomon accumulated all of these wise sayings. In the book of Proverbs, we have wisdom is portrayed as a woman. So, you know, in like French and some foreign languages, they have masculine and feminine, feminine terms. Yeah, so a table would be feminine and I know a chair is masculine. Pick that out if, if you want. But, um, but wisdom in Proverbs is portrayed as a woman, a female. <gasps> but they didn't like women, did they? They thought women were to be subservient and horrible women. No, they just minds full of kittens and things. That's what women are. Yeah, kittens. That's... But all of a sudden, wisdom is portrayed as a woman, a nice woman. The opposite of that wisdom is also portrayed as a woman, an adulterous woman. So we have a father and a son talking about, in this first few verses, first chapters of Proverbs, talking about, you know what, son, you need to marry this woman of wisdom. Wisdom is something you marry. You have a relationship with wisdom. You go to bed with wisdom. You love wisdom. You look after wisdom. You care for wisdom. You speak wisdom. You hug wisdom. It's all about being married and utterly and totally devoted to this woman that is wisdom. Then there's the other one, the adulterous woman, and he says, those ones, son, if you see them, you're walking down the street and they come up to you and they're speaking such wonderful words and they're tempting you, inviting you in and run. Don't entertain their wisdom. Get the heck out. Don't touch them. Don't speak to them. Run. Be wise. Stay with that woman. And then there's this huge collection of all of his, Solomon's, wise sayings and other king's sayings that he picked up. He was a man of many words and books. So he gathered them all together in this book called Proverbs. 
And it's a really great book to read because you don't have to read it from start to finish. You can just open a page up and pick something out. And it will have a wise goal to it. There is other wisdom in the other texts. In Deuteronomy, there's this law about not taking a bird and the eggs. If you find a nest, don't take the bird and the eggs. Don't eat the bird, don't eat the eggs. All right, that's a pretty weird law, isn't it? And you think, well, do we have to go by that one? Are we going to go to hell if I find a nest and I take the bird and the eggs? Because I would have broken one of God's laws. Are we still bound by that law? I don't know. But what I do know is it's wise. If you take the bird and the eggs, you won't have any more eggs. And you won't have any more birds. But if you just take the eggs, you get lunch. The bird can have more eggs. You get more birds. You see what I mean? That's wrapped up with the environment. Good stewardship. Very, very tiny, simple thing. Don't take the bird and the eggs. Speaks wise words into how we look after the environment. Don't rape the environment. Don't take everything. Let's manage it well. That also speaks into relationships. Don't use people up. Wise wisdom. Wisdom is what we need to attain. And the Old Testament is full of teaching on how to be wise. Because those people in that time were from a slave culture. They were brought up in Egypt for hundreds of years. They'd, everything that they'd known had been bred out of them. When they left Egypt, they were almost empty vessels. They were so used to just being told what to do, what to think, where to be and who to talk to. They, they didn't really have their own culture and understanding. They could build a pyramid, but they had to be told how to do, do it. So they needed to be educated, and God wanted them to be wise. So he gave them the laws so that they could grow in wisdom. Very practical, simple laws, but each of those laws would then lead to a wisdom in later life. It also says in the Old Testament about who has got wisdom. Well, people with grey hair have wisdom. Have anyone with grey hair here today? <laughs> anyone who has grey hair but is uh, dying it? Mm, okay. Well, the Old Testament is very clear and it says that people with grey hair have wisdom. Why do they have wisdom? Well, because they've seen quite a lot of stuff, haven't they? They've been there, seen it, done it twice on occasions. And uh, hopefully, if they are wise, they've learned not to do those things again. Just like the pin. Hopefully, you grey-haired people, you wise, wise folk, would know not to do that again. But the true wise people are the ones that ask for it. The people that know they aren't wise and ask God for wisdom, that is wisdom.
That is wisdom. Don't lean on your own understanding. Because you know what? You can be wrong. You can have what you think are all the facts and make a judgment call, but you can still be wrong. God can't be wrong. So asking his advice on it is the wisest thing you can do. In all things. So, wisdom. How do you get it? It's very simple. What do you do? Ask. If you ask him, he'll give it to you. Sometimes, that wisdom will come to you from this, the Bible. You'll be reading it, and all of a sudden, you'll just get this... Oh, I've been worrying about that all week, and there it is. Or you'll find someone, a character in there, that's going through exactly the same thing as you, and you see how it pans out for good or ill. Sometimes through prayer, you will get little miracles happen. You'll get answers to prayer that will give you wisdom, or you'll be listening to people and God will speak through them. I've got this verse for you. I've been praying, and you came up in my mind, and I really feel God wants to say this verse to you. We need to do that more. Pray for each other. And when we get, if we're reminded of a verse, have the courage just to go, I'm going to give it to that person. You don't have to know what it's about. You don't have to go up with an interpretation. I feel God's saying this to you. You don't have to say that. Give them that verse, because it will probably speak into something that they're going through, and they'll get this wisdom of, God is listening. Wow, what great advice. In all things, through prayer and petition, we should seek God's wisdom, because we're rubbish. We're hopeless. We make mistakes. We're not perfect, but he is. So read your Bibles. Pray before you read your Bible. Pray to God, Lord, I'm going to read this. Father, just open up my eyes. You know what's going on in my life. So when I read this passage, speak to me. Give me your understanding. We have the Holy Spirit in us, don't we? Yeah? And the Holy Spirit is there to guide us and to teach us. So if you believe you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and you pick your Bible up to read, pray. Say, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, just open your word to me. Speak into this situation. Simple as that. And then read. I've done it before where the first verse that I read has spoken into that problem. I've done it before where I've read an entire book and thought, well, I don't understand that. And then something else has happened. And that was the thing I should have been worried about. And that passage has always spoken into that problem, not the problem that I was worrying about. Why? Because he's wise and he knows what I should be worrying about, not what I should, I'm worrying about. 
You see the difference? He sees the big picture. We don't. We just see two feet in front of our eyes. And we're not even sure we're seeing that half the time. Always trust God. So go home today and know that the first step of wisdom is the... The fear of God, the respect of God, knowing who God is and trusting in that. Don't be like scared of him hiding under your bed. Not that fear. Ah, don't come near me. That's silly. Know who he is. Know that he loves you beyond your ability to understand that love, that he has good things in store for you. He is not going to punish you anymore, is he? Because we are what? Saved. We are washed in the blood of Jesus, are we not? Our eternal consequences for the things that we've done are what? Forgiven. Done. Doesn't concern you. Stop worrying about them. Okay? But know who he is. That's the path to wisdom. Now, next week, we're going to have a look at Jesus and his wisdom. So we're going to be looking at parables, and we're going to be looking at the things that Jesus said, and when he said them, how he said them, because Jesus just knew exactly how to speak to people. He always knew exactly what to say, and he knew exactly how to say it. And how we communicate involves great wisdom. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us the ability to seek your wisdom. We thank you, Lord, that you are generous with that wisdom, that anyone who asks you for wisdom will be given it. We thank you that through Solomon we see a man that always asked your wisdom be given to him, and you blessed him mightily, Lord. Father, I pray now that all of us this week will try and understand your wisdom, will ask for your wisdom and receive your wisdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's say the grace together, shall we? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.